because that was fantastic. So basically, Alina just said that time pressure can lead to thinking errors. You said it was a fertile ground to lead towards thinking errors and to use Combi as a checklist to help you avoid that. So the more time pressured you are, the more you need to use it, not less. You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Welcome to Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast. I'm so delighted to welcome today our very, very special guest, Elena Hallowen. Alina is a behavioral science advisor, and she works with public sector and private companies. And she is the, I'd say, in the behavioral science space, a resident expert on Combi. So for today's episode, we're really going to focus in on how you can use Combi in the workplace. And you'll get some brilliant tips from Alina. So I will hand over to you now to say a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Thank you. And it's a, a you know, thanks for inviting me. It's a, it's a pleasure. It's a, yeah, a bit of a different kind of podcast I usually do. So brilliant. And it's also great to talk to kind of like get the message out to a different audience about how Combi, because it really is my um, favorite tool for, for thinking. Yeah. So a bit about me. I, um, yeah, like you said, I, I work with public and private sector clients and I've been working, my background is in market research for about almost coming to almost 20 years now. And half of that I've been working in this applied behavioral science space. So what I tend to do is I, nowadays, I don't run full research projects or anything like that. I work with agencies or end clients who either do research projects that relate to understanding behavior very deeply or, or the goal is some sort of behavior change or end clients who want to change behavior or design a behavior change strategy and work as their advisor, really. So yeah, that's that's kind of a summary of what I do. And I, I don't know if I'm a resident combi expert. I'm just very, I'm almost like a, a bit fangirling it, if you can fangirl <laughs> frameworks and theories. <laughs> but uh, that's probably a better way to do it. There's, of course, there's, you know, the people who developed it. I think they're they're kind of the, they'll be the experts, yeah. surely. Well, yes, is their brainchild. So yes, as always, combi is the brainchild of UCL, Professor Susan Mishy and Robert West, but also... Just to say, Alina, you completely undersell yourself because you actually do this. So it's one thing to do the theory, talk about the theory, and then to apply it in the wild, as they say, in the workplace is it's not something we can take for granted. And so often in our training, we talk a lot about the theory and we can understand it all. And then when it gets to actually applying it and the realities of applying it can really kick in. And suddenly it can come to a stop and we revert back to what's more familiar or what's more comfortable. So yes, if you could share some tips for everyone on how to actually get to use the tool. Yeah. So would you like me to also kind of quickly recap what Combi is? Because we don't, we haven't, didn't talk about that yet. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping actually maybe they haven't listened to the other episodes on Combi. So yes, please do do that, Lena. Just as a just as a reminder, because a quick uh, yeah, recap. Just in case. Yeah, yeah. So that'd Combi, be super just, helpful. Yeah. Uh, it also links. It, it kind of links to the you know the tips as well, I suppose. So the basic idea of Combi is that for any behaviour to to happen, someone an individual has to have the capability, opportunity, and motivation to do it, and if one or more of these is missing, then it's more, much more likely that, that they don't, you know, they don't do it or you don't do it because it applies to us as well. And that's really the uh, simplicity, what it is. And that's one big reason why I love to use it, because I find that it helps to structure my own thinking. And most importantly, it helps me to de-bias myself, because quite naturally, when you are a specialist or an expert in some area, or even just a human being, really, it's quite easy to to kind of extrapolate from your own experience and what you've seen in your career or things like that to when you're trying to understand a behavior or a situation. And with Combi, what I find is that it's it's very quick, a quick way to kind of check that, well, what assumptions am I making about like why someone is doing something or more importantly, why they're not doing something I think they should be doing or I want them to do. So things like you can think quickly why do I think that is? And then see where those, is it, you know, are those reasons that I can think of, are they to do with someone's capability? Is it possibly their motivation to do something? Or is there something in the environment, either social or physical environment that is preventing them? I use that for pretty much everything when I want to change my own behavior in everyday life, all the way to thinking about dogs. So it's, there is the, you know, there's the academic side, but it's very practical when you're looking at, you know, troubleshooting something and like, why is something not happening? So, you know, we talked about this before that I also use it for dogs. It's not theory. It's just practical thinking tool. That's one side is that it's easy to kind of uh, quick and easy to bring up for yourself and kind of think, have I thought the situation through almost like a checklist of have I thought through thoroughly what could be influencing this? And if you kind of if you do it in a bit of a structured way, then you can see where the gaps are and then think, hold on a minute. Is it possible I'm missing something? The other thing is that it helps with if you're having a discussion with a, you know, a no stakeholder, collaborators, whatever it might be. And there are always people who have strong opinions. So you can also bring the combi in into the conversation and say, OK, so the things that we are discussing and the reasons for, for something happening or not happening, how do they fit in here? And it, it makes the situation, makes the discussion more objective that you can, it's not like, well, I think you are wrong. Even if you think they're wrong or if they're missing something, you can say, well, have we considered everything from this bucket of reasons, perhaps? It works as a thinking tool for yourself, for groups, for all sorts of things like troubleshooting. I think that's one of the, you know, the really useful things about it. And there was another one, but now I've kind of like, I've gone a bit sidetracked from my own thoughts. Let's just linger in on that second one, because I think that's really important with this audience. We work in a huge, complex system where there's lots of expertise, there's a lot of academic rigor, and there's a lot of scrutiny. So actually, having a tool where you can capture that expertise and Mm -hmm. capture those opinions, but also help to perhaps break it down, break down the assumptions and use it to actually make it more objective. I think that is so valuable for everyone because... When you're working on a project in the public sector, there is a lot of senior stakeholders who will have, you know, 20 years experience and many people will want many answers from the same project. Yeah. So actually using Combi just to even frame those conversations is a fantastic tool. 
I think yeah, that's absolutely. a brilliant yeah. tip for everyone. The yeah. one thing to keep in mind, though, is that in order for, you know, to really use combi effectively, you have to be really clear about what the behavior you're interested in is. Usually people tend to talk in terms of outcomes they want to see. So let's say I want to help, you know, even if you're thinking of your, changing your own behavior, you say, I want a healthier lifestyle. But what does a healthy lifestyle mean? It, it, you know, that's an outcome, but it's not specific behaviors. And therefore, actually, the step before using Combi is even more important to think about what behavior or behaviors are we specifically interested in? If you're finding it difficult to think about that, let's start from what's the outcome we want to see, be as specific as possible, and then work backwards to, to like what behaviors do you need to see that? So if I think of a healthy lifestyle for for myself or anyone, it could to do with like increasing exercise so or eating less of something or more of something. So then I could say if it's exercising more, it's like, well, you know, make it what behaviors do I need to reach that healthy lifestyle outcome? It could be go to the gym once a week or twice a week or three times a week. Those are very different things. Uh, the scale of change is very different if you want someone to go three times at once or once a month versus like three times a week, There's the scale is even bigger. Or just walk the steps at work. These are all very different things and the, the things that influence that behavior are vastly different. Then you could have eat less let's say processed foods or less eat less eating less processed foods is one thing but eating less chocolate or sweets is a whole other thing because it's a lot easier to cut out one of them than it is to necessarily like cut out processed foods because it might might be time poor resource poor whatever so being as specific as possible helps to kind of clarify what you are talking about and it helps to align the wide range of stakeholders as well which who might be talking across each other might have very different ideas about what healthy lifestyle means you know but it, as long as you don't define that everyone can comfortably sort of talk across each other and you spend a lot of time talking but not get closer to action yeah so it is it's vague isn't it so often our projects do stay at these sort of vague outcome quite strategic goals and these are not actual behavior change goals of course but you know be surprised how many behavior change campaigns can actually start with that goal and I think Mm. we always say as well if you can't run a combi then you're not there yet you're not ready and I love it actually to help people sort of push segmentation because mm. you try running a combi analysis on an audience that's as big as just all patients or, you know, no. all residents yeah. or everyone, you simply can't, yeah. can you? You're, no. It's impossible. No. No. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, that's other, where, that's the that's, other side of it. <laughs> and sadly, that is one of our biggest challenges is to get people to adopt segmentation. We still yeah. so often will stay at the everyone. We need, it's the pressure of the workplace. We need to tell everyone. We need to reach everyone. We need to help everyone. Sure. So but, it's a lovely tool yeah, to help the, that. Yeah. I get this, uh, the same challenge often. And, you know, for a commercial client, it's often the outcome. The outcome they want to see is something like awareness or market share or whatever it might be. But ultimately, the behavior that they want to see is usually buy stuff. But then they're not necessarily specific, like buy more stuff, buy, buy it more often, buy more variety. Who exactly do you want to buy it and, and why buy more often or whatever? And like, 
who is a target audience like well everyone it's like but that but the thing is then you waste resources and <laughs> thinking time and it muddles it up yeah because if you don't know whose behavior you're changing then you end up with a lot of potentially the risk is that you end up with a lot of contradictory data because how do you prioritize if you're not attaching it to any particular group or if there are no there's no particular target audience you can spend a lot of money doing research projects or campaigns and not being specific and you know not being effective i mean you feel good that you've done something but it didn't necessarily make any difference so you know it's actually often very yeah, uncomfortable yeah. uncomfortable for people to think that precisely and that specifically i've noticed often that clients they kind of very subtly want to resist it and want to kind of skip over it and get to the can we just think about the barriers can we just think about no it's like building a house on shifting sands so there's no point building the house unless you put the foundations in first and the foundation is thinking about what is the outcome you want to see what are the behaviors or behavior you need for that outcome and then the answer is almost like it makes the process of of thinking about it with combi much simpler and it it sort of flows more easily it clarifies your view hugely if you do that. But before that, it's easy to kind of have contradictory views, which come precisely from different ideas about what the behaviors are and what outcomes you want to see. And really, what you actually said as well is that there's the same way as you have might have different stakeholders, you might also have a lot of data. If you don't have the time or the resources to do your own research or primary research or to understand something, then you can also use Combi to make sense of, let's say you have ports or other studies, that, like studies done by other people, you can use those and kind of slot them in into the Combi framework as factors, hypotheses, whatever you want to call them, whatever shape they might take. But you can definitely use Combi to clarify the picture when it seems like there's too much data, there's too much information, and you can't make sense of it. Try organizing it under yeah. those three headers. I think that's definitely one of my tips because I use that too. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I think you're right. And we do have a lot of data. Anyone who works with the public health departments and I honestly think, yeah, everyone loves to publish. You need to publish when you're doing your research. So often you can be confronted with quite a lot of information and you've got a very short time. So that's a fantastic tip. Mm. Thank you. Use the headings to organize the data and the assumptions, and you're almost triangulating, aren't you? You begin to see it's not to the level of a systematic review, and this is not to academic levels. This is just making sense of it when it's your day job and you've got to do something. So, oh, I love that because actually what you're highlighting, I think, is something that we skip over. So it's almost like this definition, defining the problem and defining your target audience I think in the, with the pressure to deliver, we skip mm. over that. So yeah. actually, if, you, if you're if you trying to use Combi and it's not working or you're finding it hard, do check how clear is your behavioral goal. It doesn't have to yeah. be perfect because actually often the insight will give you ideas and clarity. But Absolutely. so it's not too broad. So is that tripping you up or do you have you got a target audience? And I love what you just said, that it's just as bad in the private sector. That makes me feel so much better. (laughs) It's like, actually, (laughs) human nature, we just want results and answers. (laughs) It it absolutely is. You've picked on a very important thing there that wherever there's time pressure or any other kind of pressure to to kind of 
just do things faster or there's too much to do in the time frame that you have. It's very sort of like fertile ground for thinking errors and habits of thought. So I find that combi is, and thinking in this way in terms of behaviors, is especially useful as a checklist in those situations. And it's a bit like sometimes when I talk about this, I get this kind of like subtle sense from there's always someone in the audience who kind of gives kind of the vibe like, well, I'm, I'm a bit better than checklist. You know, we're professionals. We know our stuff. Sure. But pilots use checklists, you know, like certainly I don't do anything as, you know, sort of like significant in terms of like risk and consequences for other people than pilots do. No, it's literally it's people's lives at stake and they're very highly trained and experienced and they still use checklists. So I think it's definitely not beyond beneath me and it shouldn't be beneath anyone to use checklists to to kind of make sure that you don't make accidental thinking errors. For sure, you'll still miss something, but you'll miss less. You know, it can't eliminate that risk that you'll make a thinking error or whatever, but you can try to minimize it as much as possible. And using a framework, certainly, you know, it helps to keep you on track and give you ideas where it might not occur to you. So that's something that is also, also quite helpful. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Do you know, I love your language. You just said that so beautifully. But actually, <laughs> I'm just going to tease that out for the listener so no Go one on. misses it because that was fantastic. So basically, you, Alina just said that time pressure can lead to thinking errors. You said it was mm-hmm. a fertile ground to lead towards thinking errors and to use Combi as a checklist to help you avoid that. So the more time pressured you are, the more you need to use it, not less. Yes. And I absolutely love that because we were. In our training, we were looking at system one and system two, and there's definitely this kind of myth or, I don't know, popular culture that actually our biases only live in system one. But actually, when you are doing your your thoughts, your deep work, you are still prone to biases. So do do use Combi. And not necessarily any any like nameable, generalizable bias, but just our own experience, it is only natural for everyone to have a particular perspective. So if you speak in like in healthcare, you could speak to, you know, if you speak to a psychologist and a surgeon and an oncologist, they'll all have different perspectives or a nutritionist, they'll have different perspectives into whatever it is that you're doing. Yet human beings are integrated whole and, you know, you you can't just look at it from one perspective, but there is only so much that each individual person can know. So you can't expect, uh, you know, surgeon to know the same as oncologist it's impossible there's just so much to know so it's useful or you know whoever that might be i just picked yeah. um, some like <laughs> some specialties from medicine but um like you can respect those specialisms but this can be a way to bring the different perspectives together in a neutral objective way that avoids that kind of i don't know i think it just makes it more more objective and mm-hmm. um and it, who knows might even help to give you new ideas of where solutions might come from. The other thing actually that Combi can be very helpful for is if you are looking at, I don't know, let, let me know if this is a, you think this is helpful, but if you want to look at previous campaigns or previous initiatives or policies, you can also kind of work backwards from those to look at like what type of solution, what are the campaigns or, or just to call it interventions because it might be something else, what are they trying to do? And then work backwards, like, so what does the solution assume the barrier is? If it's more information, then, you know, obviously you've assumed that the the barriers are in capability. If it's some sort of like emotional appeal, then you assume that, that people know and they are able to do something, like their environment is facilitates whatever that is you want them to do, but they're just not motivated. 
or, you know, whatever else it might be. It could be like I have allergy medication adherence as a good example. It was a commercial sector project, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's a case of people weren't using, like basically taking it in a way that would have been potentially more beneficial for them. And the client had sort of thought and the agency that it's because people are just like, how do we nudge them to do this? And actually, when we got into the project, I realized as we were listening to interviews that the problem is that people don't actually know. Usually we think, you know, we're kind of like, oh, behavioral science, because people, you know, knowledge doesn't change behavior. It absolutely does in some circumstances and, you know, situations. But you need to know that you have covered knowledge first before you tackle motivation. You need to be sure that people know what they're yeah, supposed to do, yeah. how to do it. You know, you need to have an absolutely. environment that, yes. that facilitates it. And only then you can kind of sort of, you know, not accuse, but like suspect they're not motivated enough or they're not doing what they're supposed to do. Because if you're not sure that the sort of the factors that facilitate the behavior are there, then you can't expect people to, you know, the motivation doesn't help. They could be as motivated as they want, but they can't do it. So you need to make sure those things are fixed. And it's kind of works in stages, but if you have a totally new behavior or if it's a case of people are not aware of what they need to do, then you need to do that first. And that's stage one. And then the other, you know, the motivation comes after, but you can't expect people to be motivated or, or kind of say, what, you know, they're just not I've- doing it. So... I think that's brilliant. And I think knowledge and awareness gets a really hard time now in marketing. It's people say, oh, awareness yes. doesn't change behavior or the awareness metrics aren't enough. But as you say, they are the first step. And um, we did a lovely piece yeah. of work with on sedentary behavior, looking at people in the workplace. And it was fantastic because when we did it, we realized, just like you were saying, that people were completely unaware of how long they were sitting for. So all yeah. the interventions, you know, the messaging was completely waste of time because actually in everyone's heads, when we were doing, we did what was called a sitting calculator and it was fun and people added up how many minutes they sat for and the penny drop moments, the look of horror on their faces, mm-hmm. I don't do I. And some people established they didn't actually go outside some days. They went from yeah. the house to the car, to the work, to the office, back to the car, back to the house, back to Netflix. And they're like, oh my gosh. So that awareness, that knowledge, even of their, of the problem behavior was needed, not just the, you know, what's okay. Now, you know, you've not got a problem, but now, you know, you've got a bit of bad habit going on. How do you want to change it without even knowing what a desired behavior was? We had to assume that actually it was just human nature to be in complete denial about how lazy we are. (laughs) So yeah, no, that's fantastic. So yeah. And then, you know, I suppose then you could think about that in stages that one one stage is that making aware of what you are doing. And that makes no judgment of like, is it good or bad? So that's the second step of like, if you want to highlight then the consequences of the behavior that's like you've established that this is what you do. Like, OK, so what? Then you get to the motivating part is like is potentially showing the, con- you know, demonstrated consequences, increasing awareness of the consequences of your behavior, which may raise some emotional reactions or concern or so on. So it's then you can start to tackle those things once you've reset. But so, I, yeah, so that's a brilliant example. Yeah. And motivation can be something completely different, which is why Combi, again, use it as a creative tool because it opens up completely different yeah. avenues and creative messaging. Motivation might not be about the habit or the desired behavior itself at all. You know, motivation with the sedentary work, it was important Mm -hmm. never to mention the word sedentary or how long you sit for. 
it was much more important to talk about connecting with nature or yeah. seeing your friends or, you know, just to, don't go on about the fact that we're trying to get you to move, but motivate through actual real desires and impulses that benefited people, that people said that they wanted. So yeah, Combi will develop your yeah, thinking yeah. so much. There is no doubt yeah. how brilliant this tool is. So Alina, you've done some, oh my gosh, we've got loads of tips there. I'm going to listen back and then I will recap them all and I'll pop them in the show notes as well for everyone to have a look because we did loads more than three. When we were talking, we were like, we'll do three, but actually there's been loads more. And actually we have got a bit of a time lag. Where are you based, Alina? I'm just outside Amsterdam. It's very strange that there is, I noticed that as well. It's very odd. Hmm. Yeah. I know. That's a bit odd. <laughs> I know. It's just mentioning it for anyone listening, but also makes it a bit more exciting, actually. <laughs> so talking across the waters. Yeah, suspense. Oh, and yeah. so just to, yeah, just to finish, thank you so much for coming on um, and sharing your tips. You are an expert, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so could you please recommend a book for us newbies and people that are just getting started? Yeah, sure. I mean, I could obviously re recommend the Behavior Change Wheel book, but I find that that can be quite a, uh, it requires commitment, shall we say. It requires a bit of commitment from, from a reader. But there are some really good documents available completely for free. So Public Health England has a document called Achieving Behavior Change, a guide for local government partners. That's already like 50 pages. So that's almost, a, that's half a book. Although I think a lot of it is just like this, you know, appendices and things like that. But, you know, it, it, you can get through all of this much more quickly with that. And it's, it's done in a really accessible way, much shorter than the Behavior Change Real book. And, I'll, you know, I will send you the link, of course, and you can pop in the show notes. And then there's the website as well called Unlocking Behavior Change, which have super accessible videos and things like that if you want to have a look at there. And I suppose if you want to read a really sort of accessible book that is about the sort of commercial applications, uh, but in digital health, you could try Amy Bucher's Engaged book. It's really, really nice. And it's more sort of digital health stuff, but it's extremely well written. So I realized the pun it's a more engaging read than perhaps public health england uh, <laughs> guidelines so okay. yeah those are those are probably good yeah no thank you <laughs> no thank you so much that's brilliant so we've got the sort of policy the national one ucl susan mitchie's behavior change wheel which actually like you say does require commitment but you will probably pick it up and put it off the shelf for every project you'll dip in and out all the time pretty much yeah you've got lots yeah. of tables and helpful things in there and then yeah. i haven't read the engaged one so thank you for that recommendation. We'll pop that in the show notes for everyone. And if anyone does read it, please get in touch. Let us know what you think. Thank you so much again. It's been such a pleasure to have you on. And I could chat Combi all day. Same, same. So if anyone Any excuse. does want to chat, how can they get in touch with you? How can they get in touch with you? What's the best way? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn as, uh, well, Alina Hallinan, and you'll probably see me as uh, with Square Peg Insights. You can find me there. It's pretty obvious if there's other people with the same name, then it's the one that talks about behavior change, you know? And you can also find me on Twitter as... <laughs> Yeah, dogs. Uh, not LinkedIn as much. No, 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 not, not as much there. But uh, on Twitter, you can find me as Square Peg Mind. But yeah, I'm relatively easy to find. Okay. Fab, thank you so much. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, show us some love and leave a review on iTunes. We'll leave you with Ruth's favorite quote from Alice in Wonderland. 
I knew who I was this morning, but I've changed a few times since then. Got a favorite quote about the magic of change? Tell us over at the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Group on LinkedIn. Join us for a Mad Hatter's Tea Party, virtually. 